Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. You are here at Asian Pop Nation. This is your executive producer, Jesse, here. You guys just heard Hard Pull by Koi, and before that, you guys heard Mercurial by Silica Gel. Now, we have a jam packed show coming up for you guys, featuring not one, but two interviews. The first of which will be with Kai Dreams, a Vietnamese American artist who recently released their debut album, Absolute Heartbreak. And the second interview will be with Jenny Tian, who will be performing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival coming up. So we'll be talking to her a bit more about that. We will also be reviewing some of the events we went to recently. Yes, you may have seen it all over our social media. We interviewed three artists in relation to it. Of course, I am talking about the Sonica Music Festival, which Leisha went to a couple of weeks ago. Now, we will also be talking about some upcoming Asian series on Netflix that feature some of our most beloved actors. Uh, that is, of course, Beef and Joyride. And obviously, we have to go through a bit of a rundown about the Asian concerts and events here in Melbourne. Oh, finally, Melbourne it has not been forgotten. Uh, we have Asian, we have events now featuring Asian artists and people, and yeah. So stay tuned for that one. Hey, 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 hey! Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard "Pump Up" by Akini Jin. And before that, you guys heard Crew by Code Kunst, featuring Kugi, Paolo Alto, and Chin. And before that, you guys heard A Little Red Riding Hood by Wednesday Campanella. Now, coming up, we have a very exciting interview with the amazing Kai Dreams, a Vietnamese-American artist and singer who has recently released their debut album, absolute heartbreak so we shall be joining Alicia and Lee to chat with them a bit more about that hey you're listening to Asian pop nation with myself Lee and I'm joined by Alicia plus a very special guest who is none other than the 23 year old artist and producer Haley all the way from the US it's Kai Dreams hello yay welcome to APN <laughs> Um, we're both very excited to have you here today. Uh, so first off, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, um, my name is Kai Dreams. I'm from Oregon and I make like indie pop. I like um, music and I just released an album called Absolute Heartbreak. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that little intro. And I guess firstly, we gotta start with the big elephant in the room, Thursday, which is the album that you just mentioned, your long-awaited debut album, Absolute Heartbreak, mm. which firstly, of course, congratulations on dropping it. Oh my thank gosh. You. <laughs> and I guess we just obviously want to start off with many questions in terms of your thought process behind creating this album. And kind of like, what does this debut album kind of mean to you personally? Mm. Well, first, I guess I would say that I, I felt like my other projects that I made, I didn't really like know what I was doing or have like a lot of like thought behind it in like a, a sort of like, how does this like work together as like a cohesive thing? And so I did in this case with uh, Absolute Heartbreak, which I guess is why I call it an album instead of, you know, like an EP or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I just felt like I had experienced like a, a year of a lot of change and like realization. Well, I guess I didn't really like set out to express it, but I found myself when I was like making the songs. There's like obviously something here that I keep coming back to. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna make a project out of this. I didn't really know that it was gonna be an album, but like when, by the time I had like started like basically all the songs, like I was like, okay, I think this is probably gonna be an album. So yeah, that was kind of my thought process behind it mm -hmm. and again you mentioned like all of these I guess like technicalities and things that you were thinking about in the process of making the album and I guess I'm very curious like since this album did come out back in like January 
how has like mm-hmm. I guess kind of the reception been on your end since the release of the album? Do you feel like any of those worries you had prior kind of like faded off? Before like I even released it, I wanted to be like satisfied with the thing that I had made and like kind of felt like I had already like done what I needed to do before it even like came out. Cause like mm. before I would get like really hung up on like the reception and numbers and whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. Like people could really like not enjoy this or like this at all or like you know whatever. And so I was like, okay, I need to make it so that I enjoy it and, and I'm happy with what I've done um, before it even gets released. Luckily, I feel like I really like the response that it's gotten so far. I feel like people uh, enjoy it and uh, it resonates with people and, I, and I'm very happy for that. I, I made sure that it was something that I was like proud of before anything else so that I could, you know, have that peace of mind going into the release of it. Mm, that's a very solid, like really good mindset to go through. I think mm-hmm. like life challenges yeah. in general. And I think as me and Lee, mm-hmm. fellow listeners of your album okay. and very nice casual fans, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we, I think we can definitely confirm as well that the album, mm-hmm. 11 out of 10 in my books, but Lee, oh, <laughs> yes, I definitely enjoyed this album as well Great um, to hear. <laughs> sounds like you really enjoyed your time in making this album so did you have like a song which you had the most fun making or just your favorite song of the album i had a really fun time doing the yelling and heartbreaker because um so i didn't i've never like sang like that before and i literally found it out i was like singing along to like like i think it was like a dijon song like like where he like we was like yelling and like belting and i like tried to sing along and i was like oh like this is a really cool like sound that's coming out of my mouth and like i really want to like do this in a song and it was really fun and it came out i think it came out pretty good like i really like the way it sounds um but also i think um seeing um bug come together was also just pretty fun oh and rats because rats was fun because i got my friend soren who is also also like did like most of the production on the album to like do like a like to sing in it too and i was really excited oh for my that, god that really so, yeah oh yeah. my god how was it like like that creating process just very very curious how was it like just you know everybody's working on that <laughs> Uh, it was really fun. It was like, it was probably the most fun I had like making music just because like we both were like totally like in sync with like knowing what we wanted out of it and like we just on the same page and like it wasn't as like stressful as like other projects just because like there was no one to satisfy but myself and just like what felt good, I guess, you know. It's funny because my two favorite songs of the album are actually Bugs and Rap as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds like you had a lot of fun making those. Damn, the justice for my favorite song, May. Where, where... Oh my god. Well, yeah, I was, okay, okay. So I was like, what is the track list in my head? But May, I love, well, yes! May, May is like one of the songs that I like made on my own. I made in like COVID and I made it on my own and I was really, really happy. It was a very like cathartic song to make in that time. That's probably one of my personal favorite songs off the album. So, yeah. Oh my god. Yes, my favorite song, having a shout out moment. <laughs> ah! <Wow. laughs> but, oh my gosh, I guess like, one thing not only do i guess myself personally really like like your songs in general i actually with this album really liked your lyric videos that you posted on youtube for several oh, of your yeah. songs in hot um mm. in absolute hop rate like not only do they have very very superb animation behind them and also this like mm. visual novel s like aspect to them there's also clearly like a story behind each video so we're just like super curious on the story that you wanted to portray <laughs> in your lyric videos. Okay, well, so <laughs> I made um, the Bugs music video came first and it was created basically by um, this animator and animation director called Yana Pan and he's really talented and awesome. And so we made that. I wanted as much stuff to go into like the the the, the music video for Bugs as it could. So I was like, okay, I'll just take care of all the lyric videos. And mm. I've been working and been learning this software called RenPy, which is like a visual novel, like the, the like visual novel like game engine and oh i was like God. okay well what if i what if we like made like um like lyric videos with the visual novel engine and so yana like created some animations to go along with it and uh, i like it kind of extend like the bug storyline a little bit like give a little bit more context i guess 
Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I made like these little like epilogue things. Although some of them are like prologues in relation to bugs. I'm just like the main character of the bugs music video and like some of their like inner monologues. I just imagine them like trapped in their like in their bedroom and kind of like some of the stuff that was going through their heads. Originally, it was like gonna have like characters and stuff and like a bunch of other stuff, but I was like, okay, this might be a little too ambitious. So I I I just streamlined it a little bit and just made like a little narrative about yeah, just what was like going on through their heads and like how like maybe like the songs that like, kind of related to that so that's what it that's what it is <laughs> no it's literally so cool like i don't know just vibe for me because i think like back in the day in youtube like lyric videos were literally just like made by fans of like bam here's like a photo of a random yeah. member and then here's just the lyrics and like cursive font and then that's just the yeah. lyric video but i really like again like your creativity with your like official lyric videos and then you literally downloaded a whole like software to get the like visual novel aspect. That's like insane to me. And I, I guess around like the route of like art and stuff like that, me and Lee just had a very like strong curiosity that in like the album art for Absolute Heartbreak and also in a lot of your merch actually, like your t-shirts and hoodies, we actually mm. see this like white bunny character with like the sharp like little angry teeth and stuff this character well well, the bonnie itself is uh, a mr miffy um like lamp like a big mr miffy lamp um that Ah. i I had Um, love miffy i really liked it i really wanted to take pictures with it (laughs) which is that's really where like that came from um but i kind of liked it for like the album because i don't know like mr miffy is like obviously like a really big like comfort character for like so many people including me and the album is about like heartbreak in general and i think you know like like we look for like sources of comfort when we're heartbroken so i kind of like the idea of like mr miffy being like a bit like less comforting with like you know like the the raw face kind of thing going on Um, and I think it just fit in very like well like thematically as like kind of embracing the heartbreak so there's like you can't really find comfort when you're like embracing the heartbreak like you kind of have to go through it um so yeah that's kind of like where that came from it's really cute though um I also (laughs) like Mr. Miffy I really want Mm. that like little lamp that they have yeah yeah this is the big version of that I need (laughs) it's so cute so I'm actually a big fan of yours and I Mm. used to listen to your music like all through my high school years so Mm. I'm sure like a lot of people like me when they hear your name they think back to some of your EPs like Summer is like a dream and also Mm. Nice Colors and Mm. also had these on repeat like 24 7 so Mm -hmm. seeing the release of your new album just hit me with this like nostalgia i just wanted to ask like do you feel like this recent album in comparison to your older releases has like a different shift compared to what you've created in the past i uh yeah i think so it's always hard to like gauge that kind of stuff when like it's your stuff but i definitely think like i know that like my approach was very different uh the things that i like to listen to back then were pretty different than what i like to listen to when i was making absolute heartbreak and like the way I wrote songs for Absolute Heartbreak was like a lot more streamlined and a lot more like personal. I, f- I feel like for like Summer's Like a Dream and Nice Colors, like my songwriting there was like, I was a bit, I was still like a bit scared to like really like get into myself, you know, like mm-hmm. not to say that it, it wasn't like personal. If you're making art, like no matter what, it's going to reflect on you in like some way. But um, I think I use like storytelling as like a, a, a way to like, like obfuscate things. It, it's honestly like a, a, a fun way in its own and like a, a kind of therapeutic way in its own to like express explore yourself without getting too scared I guess but yeah this one Absolute Heartbreak definitely feels like a lot more personal um, than anything else I've made before so I think that's the biggest difference mm. yeah I actually really like all like the storytelling aspects that you have in all of your music and also like it just reflects like your music videos with like the visual novels as well mm. and I guess I'm stepping away in like the music realm a bit I just really wanted to talk about this particular thing as I think one thing you've mentioned in the past is kind of like your time in high school 
allowed you to, I guess, begin to embrace like your Vietnamese heritage as well as your mm. gender expression as a non-binary person? And mm. I guess we would love to hear more from you about this particular like journey in your life. Um, yeah, I um, for I think I think well, just growing up in like a, a small like town that was like full of a lot of white people, like um, I kind of like. Like when it came to like aspects of my identity, like they felt like things that were very novel to me. Best I like took for granted, and at worst, like I I sort of tokenized. I don't know. It was it was very like strange. I I, I didn't feel very like connected to my identity or anything like that. And then uh, I went to this alternative high school with like a lot of really cool like teachers and students who um just kind of like opened up my eyes to like a lot of things i really like began to kind of like look at the world i think through uh, a more like critical like feminist lens a more critical like queer lens uh, a more critical like racial lens i guess i mean i'm saying that I, I let me look at the world but like i think it like obviously like it really let me like look at myself and like kind of discern like how i like viewed myself and how i viewed others like in relation to me my heritage meant to me and what my yeah like identity meant to me it it gave me like a lot of clarity for like the like a lot of the way that i i had like always kind of felt um but couldn't like you know put my finger on it was also the place where like i kind of i really like started like taking music seriously and i got like a lot of support there from um, people there um and yeah i i see it as like the place where i really came into myself and am the person that i am today <laughs> oh that was very like heartwarming to feel and i don't know i Lee maybe can relate with me as well of just like growing up in a predominantly like white environment uh, mm -hmm. when you're younger really kind of like warps your whole sense of identity and everything and then you yeah. just feel like you're on a very big uphill battle constantly but again I love oh, yeah. hearing your story about like how the change of environment can really do like so much for like yeah. yourself and I guess I'm also very curious I guess like how does it feel for you now when you release works like Absolute Heartbreak and and now like everyone and I guess more importantly yourself understand like a bit more of who you are as a person nowadays I feel like when I see interviews and articles about yourself you know there's much more like there's much more expression of like your heritage and your preferred pronouns your gender expression as a whole and I guess just for you how does it feel that like coming as an artist now in like 2023 and having more of like an understanding of who you are just as like a person well I kind of realized that I'm gonna have to like just be the person that I know that I am like I have a lot less patience with like pretending to be like something I'm not or someone I'm not mm -hmm. um even for like the practical and like practical like circumstances and it's just like why am I like trying so hard to like I don't even know how to explain it I guess it's just like it I mean it sucks not being able to like be yourself and like be honest about yourself I think I realized that I was putting like a lot of stakes on myself that like didn't really need to be there. So I was like, why well, have those there? Let's take them out and uh, see how that goes. I definitely feel a lot more like I'm doing myself justice and like I'm I'm like honoring myself more, I guess. Well, that was so beautifully put. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm like just listening to that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Makes me feel something. <laughs> <Just> like, uh... <laughs> Feelings wise, I don't know. I just feel like in general, if you're like, if like any listener is listening in and they also relate in kind of like being, living your life always knowing like, ah, oh, yes, I'm a minority. And then I guess having that whole growing process, coming into terms with yourself and who you are and identity mm -hmm. and then still having the acknowledgement that like, you know, again, you're only 23. I'm also only 23. <laughs> and it's like, mm -hmm. so like, there's so much more of like life waiting who knows what will happen but just like it's being very mm -hmm. yeah just like embracing yourself like i don't know that was just very beautiful i just love hearing that <laughs> i also related to that in like the past few years as well with like embracing yourself but yeah uh moving on do you have any sort of future plans maybe going on tour uh, not as of yet <laughs> i kind of realized that I felt like there are a lot of things that I was kind of supposed to be um, as a musician, as an mm. artist, that I was supposed to do in order to, like, fulfill, like, my duty in a weird way. Um, 
as an artist and one of those was like doing tours and doing shows and stuff but I'm really such I I'm a very like introverted very like homebody very uh like I get overwhelmed easily by like crowds and stuff um so doing shows was very hard and very taxing also I, I'm not like like I can't travel like too much too often or else I like just like get destroyed um so one of the kind of things I realized was that I probably am not I'm just not the artist that can do things like tours mm -hmm. and but I also at the same time it's just like damn I really do there have been some shows that I've done that were just some of the most like amazing experiences of my life um so I'm kind of trying to figure out in like internally like oh how can I like do these things and like see like like fans because I know how like important it is to like so many people like it, how special it can be to like see that like an artist that you really enjoy live but yeah I need to I definitely need to like figure out how to like do stuff like that without like like destroying my mental and my body <laughs> so no plans yet but I'm thinking on it on down oh. yeah that was probably like, like you are your own artist like you do you <laughs> Thank and you. I, I, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you like their fans there would be so much like generosity and like love and like anything that you do <laughs> mm. and I guess Finally, since we're reaching at the end of this interview, um, after like everyone kind of like takes the time to check out your album, Absolute Heartbreak, and also who knows, listen to some of your other works as well. What, I guess, sort of message or feelings at the end of the day do you want your music to have on your listeners? I think for Absolute Heartbreak, I hope that for me, like what I like took away from like the process and like the the creation of it is that there's like so much value, I guess. There's so much to be gained <laughs> from going working through like hard emotions and like taking them in stride and like embracing like the parts of you that you're like, you know, afraid to look at or like the doing the things that, you know, are going to like make you experience pain, but not in like a, a like, you know, like making yourself suffer for no reason more so, you know, like in the heartbreak sort of way, right? Like, like heartbreak is like a really important thing to like go through. And I feel like I know me personally, like I, uh, there's a time when I dealt with it by pretending like I wasn't as heartbroken as I was or like trying to avoid things that would make me feel that way um when I finally did you know like look at that stuff head on it was really hard and it hurt a lot but at the when I came out on the other side it was like the world was like a it was a brighter and lovelier place <laughs> so yeah I I really I really I think that was that's like kind of what I wanted to impart with the album was that like you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel um when it comes to like those tougher emotions and it's 100% worth it like it's 100% what life is all about I think oh my god that is beautiful <laughs> literally <laughs> oh my <Wise> god words. <laughs> like a tear down, rolling down my cheek right now oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> okay um so where can Alice's find you Kai uh, I'm on Spotify Apple Music and any other streaming service you can think of uh I'm on Twitter as Kai Dreams I'm on Instagram as Kai Dreams Oh, I think I'm on Tumblr still. Yeah, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. An ancient relic I have not heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's it, though. I think that's it. Oh my yeah. gosh! And yeah, thank you so much once again for joining our little show here at Asia Pop Nation. Kai, yeah, it was thank you guys. Literally amazing talking to you. Oh my gosh! Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard Us Without Me by Grant Perez, which is a new single from him. And before that, you guys heard which means Every Day I Miss You All The Same by Sunday Night featuring Betty Kay. Before that, you guys heard Panic Attack by Kai Dreams from their debut album Absolute Heartbreak. Now, in our next little segment, we will be... Uh, Taking a rewind back, a review of sorts of the Sonica Music Festival, which Leisha got the opportunity to attend a couple of weeks ago. So she'll be going through her experiences, what she liked about it, what she thinks could be improved next time. So yeah, I'm just going to throw over to Leisha. If you have been tuning into our show for like the past couple of weeks or so, you might have heard us mention this festival 
we've done like several interviews with some of the artists, which we're very grateful about. And we were also able to attend this very specific festival called the Sonica Music Festival that took place in the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl on like the 17th of March. So on a nice casual Friday, basically the festival went from like 4 p.m. till I want to say like 10-ish. And I was able to go. And basically, this portion is just going to be like a casual sit-down review moment of the festival, my general thoughts, and any questions, I guess, that our team here have about the festival. Because one big thing about this festival, this is like, I want to say one of the first times ever we've gotten like a music festival that specifically focuses on Asian pop. So very surreal and very on brand with uh the name of our old show. All right, I have a question. (laughs) What was the vibe like for the festival? Was it like a rave or was it more like a chill vibes? I would say that definitely this festival is a very like chill music festival. I think part of it is that most of the lineup kind of delves more in like chill genres. I'll go through the lineup now for any listeners who are curious. Basically, the main artist lineup was Gareth T, who's like a Hong Kong R&B artist who we've interviewed, wink, wink. And Gentle Bones as well, who's a Singaporean singer that we've also interviewed, wink, wink. We also had Amber, also someone else we've interviewed as what well. I know. We kind of went a, like everyone. We did. We kind of went a bit ham, not to like <laughs> pat ourselves on the back or anything, but thanks, Jesse. <laughs> After Amber, it was Henry. And then lastly, it was the South Korean rapper Zico. So I would say for the most part, most of these artists have like a nice mixture of like like poppy tracks that you can like bop your head to and vibe with mixed with like just vocally really nice songs to listen to. I think only Zico, because his genre is more like rap and hip hop. Only when he started did, I guess you get like that typical like moshing and like jumping up and down aggressively because just his songs are naturally like that. And during the intermissions, we did get a very, very lovely DJ set performance by Small Fry, aka Vivan, our friend over at Triple R, Lover the Bits. Her DJ set was amazing. Played so many artists that I would kill, not kill, I would love <laughs> to see in real life, like one day, like Dean, Crush, even played Red Velvet, like I cried internally. But, um, <laughs> Considering this was their first time ever running this festival, I actually quite enjoy it. There are some like little things that I would tweak a little bit. One thing is that the show did have quite a handful of like intermission in between. We did have like an MC, but I just think for festivals in general, music festivals, MCs are just not common. But I mean, I do acknowledge that the MC, which is Andy True, I'll name names here, like he is someone who is frequently around the Asian pop music space, obviously. But I just think like for this type of music festival, not necessarily needed because I think what the crowd and the vibe, like what people really needed was just like, like a very consistent amount of like really good music that's like going because I realized when it came to like intermission periods where it's just like talking between the MC most people were very like kind of like out of it uh so I just feel like you know not having an MC uh might be a thing to think about Uh, ha 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 and then my other qualm that I will say is that I know this is their first year running but I just feel like maybe for future runs and stuff because I would love to see the Sonic Music Festival be a reoccurring thing I just think having more local Asian Australian artists would be very beneficial for a festival like this. For a festival that celebrates like Asian pop culture, I think it's not only great to have like Asian artists that come from Asia, but also repping like Asian Australian artists that are already like here. And I think having a platform like this to promote their music would be like 11 out of 10. But Actually, yeah. Can I spring a question on you, Yes, Nisha? yes. Um, if you could put up some Australian Asian artists, who would you put up? Oh my gosh. Okay. I think obviously one, which I think will work really well because he's already performed in several festivals across like Australia would be Grant Perez. Mm. So he, he already has like that prior like festival performing experience. Um, Veda Born is just another one. 
once people hear her music, I feel like it's just an instant hit. Like people will get it. Those are like the big ones that like pop up in my head. But obviously, so, so many more incredible talents out there. But overall, I went a bit on a tangent about some of like my negative points you would say about the festival. Overall, I still had like a very fun time. All these artists, I'll be honest, are artists that prior to the festival coming up, I did not listen to them frequently. But afterwards, I like really enjoyed the set list and all the songs that they brought to the festival. I was like, okay, every single artist really like took the time to think about what songs they want to perform to people. And I think everything kind of like meld well together. My personal favorite would be, ah, oh, guarantee. It's just this music. It just like fits the whole vibe and everything. And he was like the first performer as well. I feel like as the first one, you kind of have the added pressure of like getting people like, yeah, well, that's the tone for the whole thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think he did really great. Also, a shout out to Amber because she is the only female Asian artist that's in the lineup. Yeah. Um, that is one major thing that I feel like we can we can work on. We can work no on for babies. the future. But overall, I think for their first run, the Sonica Music Festival is actually very fun. And I, I'm actually very keen to see how they will progress in the future. I know this is like just the beginning. And I think in the future, I'm sure the team has like so many plans of like what more can they do now that they've had their first run. How did you find the venue, the Sydney Mayaville? Me and Ethan went there for the Lord concert and it was actually a really nice venue. They had like the two screens up. Yes, yes. They had like the two screen situation as well. The Sydney Mayaville Music Bowl, I guess their main thing is like, oh, the lawn. The weather was so nice as well. So we were just like literally sunbathing while hearing like gentle bones, soothing vocals. And I'm just there like, ah, this is the life, man. <laughs> literally the life right now but yeah i think for a music festival sydney my music bowl great mm-hmm. location for it i had a question about the performances in terms of crowd participation were there any memorable moments hmm i know i guarantee it was just like a funny moment where he was really like because he was like the first act in when he started performing like more hype songs everyone was like oh my god yeah woo! and then when people thought it was done they were like okay, now time to lay down. And he would come in the mic like, guys, we're not done yet. We got another hype song coming. So funny. He's got something to prove. He's like, yo, everyone get up. Get up now, right now. Yeah, I see you lying down. Uh, don't do that. Literally. I'm watching you. I can see you in broad daylight. Don't be doing that. literally doing that. It was so funny to me. And then Gentle Bones, he just had like a very, that was like this moment that I did post on the Asia Pop Nation Instagram. If you want to see it, check out our events highlights. But... There was like a part where Gentle Bones, he was like serenading to the security guard. <laughs> like, I remember when they were like recording the whole part of him just like fist bumping with the security guard, but also like singing a very loving ballad, like Chinese ballad song to him. It was so cute. And I think the other one that obviously will come out is like Amber. She had just released a new song called like No More Sad Songs on the day of the festival. And she was like, oh, this song is about like not giving up and stuff like that. And she was like, oh, it'd be really great if you guys can sing like this portion of the song with me. And she was like, I know it just came out today. So like, no no stress, guys. Um, And then I think she actually almost started crying when everybody like sang it together. So that was very sweet, very wholesome. I think Henry just made like everyone like jaw dropped all the time, got out of the stage and started playing his violin among the crowd, like within the crowd itself. And then Zico just in general, I think like he is like the final, final one. There are a lot of people were anticipating him. So I think even him just like peeking his head, just wearing sunglasses, peeking his little head and everyone's like, ah! but yeah, throughout all these performances, there are very specific like audience moments, which are very nice, very like, yeah, I appreciate them. <laughs> Any concluding thoughts overall? Again, since this was their first ever time running this festival, I really enjoyed it. And I am very excited to see where they're going to take this festival in like the future years. And I cannot wait. I guess you have a certified Sonica fan here. (laughs) But I guess listeners, if you're tuning in right now and you've been to the festival, maybe share some of your thoughts about what you think. Definitely message us through our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Asian Pop Nation. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard San Francisco Sidewalk by Tiffany Day, which is from their EP, The Gratitude Project. 
Now, before that, you guys heard "Happy on My Own" by Grace, who is an Indonesian singer based in Singapore. Now, before that, you guys heard "Cartoon" by Cosmic Boy, featuring Big Naughty and Sarah Kang, which is also from their new album. Now, coming up, we will be featuring an amazing comedian on our show today. You may know her from her skits on TikTok. Hey guys, you are listening here at Asian Pop Nation. I'm Jesse, and I'm also here with Ethan. Coming up between March 29th and April 23rd is the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It will be featuring some of our favorite Asian artists, and we have one of them here with us today. You may know her for her comedy skits on TikTok, and of course, we are talking about the amazing Jenny Tian. Hi! Thanks so much for having me. How are you going? I am going well. I、uh, have just landed in Melbourne. Um, flew from Sydney on the absolute cheapest flight and landed at Avalon and took the Sky Bus. <laughs> awesome. So I know many of our listeners, including kind of myself as well, know you from your TikToks and your Instagram reels. And so for those of us un. Familiar with you outside of that? Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, so I am basically I open my mouth and funny things come out.、Um, I guess that's a comedian.、Um, so I, you know, started stand up comedy back in 2016 and have just gigged regularly around Sydney. I started, I, you know, I think around in 2020, posting a little bit of content to TikTok as well,、uh, and. For some reason, there was an audience that found me there,、um, and then I just kind of kept going, especially over the pandemic. And yeah, now I just continually post there and also on Instagram, which、uh, just TikToks from two weeks ago. But yeah, <laughs> curious to know what got you started、um, doing comedy, like on stage, because that's quite a big leap、um, yeah. to get into comedy.、Uh, I never thought I would get into comedy. Like literally. I was talking to my friends in high school about it, and they were like, "You're not funny. Don't do stand up. Don't humiliate yourself like that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, no, you're right. That is a silly idea."、Um, I ended up watching like a live show, my very first one, which was at uni. Actually, it was at UNSW, and I remember seeing Aaron Chen actually for the first time. Who now I know, and he's so funny. If you don't know him, please check him out. He's incredible, and that was kind of the first time where I was like, "Oh." You don't have to be like loud and you know angry、um, to do comedy. You can be kind of awkward and you know, for lack of better words, like nerdy, and it's hilarious. So、um, yeah, I was exposed to that, and I was like, oh, I, maybe I could do this. And then not too long after, I went and watched an open mic, and、um, it was pretty bad. And I went, you know, I I reckon I could go up on stage, and then I did, and then I bombed. <laughs> And then I got one laugh at the end, and I was like, "Oh my god, that feels so good! I got to keep going."、Um, and that was it. You said that you don't have to be loud and crazy out there to be funny. So, how would you describe your sense of humor then, and how has it grown since you first started doing stand-up? Yeah, great question. I think when I started, I was really like, I was so stilted on stage. I was very scared to move. Um, I was very dry. Everyone just called me dry, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. What do What do you mean dry?、Um, over time, I've kind of found a little bit more confidence to grow and experiment and be louder and like do act outs and and take steps along the stage, which I'm still scared to do sometimes. So yeah, I think just like getting more confident over the years, and I guess. In terms of subject matter, I initially just started with really silly, basic observations, and now I've kind of moved on to things that are like within my life and like stories within my life. So jokes about my parents or my friends or my horrible, horrible dates.、Um, so yeah. For all the the newbies that are looking to get into startup or in comedy, what would you give them as like a piece of advice? Yeah,、um, I remember listening to Pete Holmes's podcast and Bill Burr's. This question would get asked. Almost all the time, on like every second episode, someone would go, "I'm thinking of starting, but I'm scared and I don't know what to do." And the answer was always, "Just do it. Like you have to get out there and do it. And there's no cheating it. And there's no amount of comedy that you can watch that's going to prepare you for the actual experience of what it is going to be on stage." So I would say, you know, watch live comedy because it is really, it's so different to Netflix. And、um, I think you'll find that, especially at an open mic, you'll realise that the standard is not as high as you think it is、uh, when you watch television, and that you can definitely, definitely do it as well, and that everyone can be funny. The difference between you know me and anyone else is that I just tried, and I just 
have a microphone and that's it. Like literally anyone can do it. It's very accessible. Awesome. I know that you mentioned that you just need a mic and that's it. But in your upcoming show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, you are also going to be using the Microsoft Paint tool to help you. So can you tell us a bit about why you chose that kind of <laughs> yeah. avenue? Yeah, the most horrendous tool. Um, <laughs> I did a storytelling night at um, a night called Generation Women. And when I recorded it, the whole thing was out of focus. And I was like, oh, but the audio is so good. So what I did was I matched the dialogue to Microsoft Paint drawings. And I was like, this turned out better than I like could have imagined. This is actually better than just a video recording. So um, I kind of took that initial first story and then I built a little bit more off that as well and then mixed in my stand-up bits. And now I have a PowerPoint deck with over 100 Microsoft Paint drawings. Is that what we're going to be expecting? That is, yes. It's a big PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) I will take questions at the end. (laughs) Awesome. Um, I know that you've done a lot of shows, but also a lot of festivals. So I was wondering if there was any differences that you've noticed in like the vibe or like the yeah. overall gist of how it works. Yeah, it's it's so different. Like on a lineup, I think there's in some ways less pressure because there's an MC to warm up the crowd. There's other comedians. So if you bomb, then, you know, someone else is going to help make the show better. Whereas when it's a festival show, you're all by yourself. Your posters are all you, like literally, like right now I'm looking at my poster of myself and I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's just me. It's so cringy. Uh, you, you're handing out pamphlets and it's the whole thing is kind of dependent on just you. So in that regard, it feels like a lot more pressure, but also the flip side and the positive side is that when it goes well, it is all you as well. So yeah, very different. And obviously with a festival show, you're doing one hour of material. So it's a lot longer compared to like a club set, which might just be like five minutes or 10 minutes. I think one of the hardest parts about doing stand-up shows, like especially on a stage is that you do have a live audience that you're interacting with. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but have you had some difficult experiences with audiences and how have you been able to manage that kind of interaction? Yeah, I think what surprises people is that bombing happens so much more often than people okay. realise. Like it's it's part of the process. It's part of trialling out new material. And no matter how good you are, you, you're still going to bomb a lot when you're testing out new material. I think what's worse is when you think you have a bulletproof set and then you go out to an audience and then you bomb. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had plenty of those. I, I had a gig where I performed on the back of a ute at a train station. So it can get pretty dire depending on the circumstances. So yeah, like those, those happen all the time where you're just in a setting where you, like there's no way you could work the crowd. Is there any way that you would prepare yourself or like practice before you go do the actual show? Like in general or for difficult shows? Both. Okay. For difficult shows, I kind of tell myself, just plow through it, which is what it's, I think Ali Wong said that she's like, well, you know, when she's bombing and dying on stage, just plow through it, just do your time, be a professional and then get off and don't look at the audience. (laughs) Um, And in terms of like myself, just a regular show, just knowing my material, like I literally, I write out my set on my notebook so I don't forget my jokes, know how long your set is going to be. Like I, at this stage, kind of know how roughly how long each bit is and, you know, how long 10 minutes feels on stage. Um, and you want to make sure that you don't go too under time, don't go too over time. Um, and yeah, like, bring good vibes, you know, you want to make sure you're well rested um, and you're bringing like a positive energy onto stage. Yeah. Before we move on, I am so curious, what is the story about you performing on the ute? Oh yeah. (laughs) So it was like a council gig in Sydney and I think, you know, there there were a a bunch of people who don't really go out to watch live stand-up comedy or don't understand the elements that make it work, i.e. like a roof. So, um, yeah, they were like, yep, we're going to try and plug stand-up comedians and comedy and it's going to be great and it's going to support the arts. And it was a paid gig as well, which is why I said yes to it. And they were like, by the way, it has to be clean material because it's a train station and there's kids and parents and whatnot around. So yeah, like there was uh, an MC that got up and then individually, like one by one, I think it was me and two other comedians, we had to do 15 minute sets and it was 
it doesn't sound like that much time, but it was like the longest 15 minutes of my life. There was at one point, there was like a dog that ran through the train station and that was more entertaining than any joke I had in my set. It was so humiliating. That's a pretty good story as well. Um, okay. Moving away from your stand up to like TikToks and Instagram reels, how would you say you tailor your comedy to fit into that short form content as opposed to say on stage? Yeah, it's like, it's a completely different genre and form, even though they're both still comedy. Like, obviously, like with something like TikTok and Instagram, they've got their own content guidelines and TikTok in particular is actually quite strict about that. So it would be things like no sexual references or whatever, which, you know, I'm quite open about in my general stand-up. So there's kind of more in some senses, limitations online, but that can also help you become more creative. So I think I'm a lot more polite and cleaner on TikTok than I am um, on stage. And also um, like on TikTok, it's all niches. Like I can do, you know, videos about my Asian parents and I know that there's going to be people that relate to my experience. Um, Whereas kind of in a club, well, I have to have material that you know, does well to like an RSL pub as well. Um, so, you know, it might involve a little bit more setting up to make things a bit more kind of universally relatable. So the differences in topics as well is quite different. One's niche, one's broad. So how would you say that making like short form social media content has helped you with your web series that you released last year? Yes, my web series, Coach Dayum. I think like had I not had a TikTok account or an Instagram account or following, there is no way I think I would have firstly been able to get that grant from Screen Australia and TikTok that allowed me to, you know, find an incredible producer and find the cinematographer and pay all these people properly to make this really silly series. So yeah, just firstly having a platform that reaches an audience um, that looks good in the eyes of, you know, funding bodies, that was a big you know, first step. And I think also understanding the format of TikTok, like you want to grab the audience in like the first five seconds. You don't want the video to drag for too long. Um, You want to try and make sure there's like a hook or a cliffhanger at the end. So those were all elements that we had to incorporate into the writing of each single episode of the series, which made me pull my hair out at the time. But um, I'm quite happy with how it turned out. That's good to hear. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really good. (laughs) I just thought of this question before we kind of wrap up. Before you came into studio today, you met some of your fans that actually recognised you. So how do you feel about being ultra famous now? <laughs> ultra famous, that's so funny. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of getting used to people knowing who I am. And, you know, I just kind of want every interaction I have with a person, like for them to feel positively about it. Like I don't want to be like, you know, a, a story to come out like on Reddit or something like, oh my God, I've met her and she's so rude and she's up herself and whatever. Like, you know, I I hope that it's like a positive experience for people. So, um, you know, I know those types of interactions can make their day. So I just want it to be positive and happy. Awesome. Uh, as a final note, where can listeners find you on social media? Anything like that? Yeah. So on TikTok, I'm at Nom Nom Jenny. On Instagram, I'm at underscore Jenny Tian. And yeah, if you're interested, you can watch my series, Coach Dayam, which is on TikTok. It's pinned on my profile, 12 episodes, one minute each. And uh, you can catch me around comedy clubs all around the country. Awesome. So we're going to kind of wrap up now. You guys can find Jenny at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in the coming month or so and make sure you follow us on asian pop nation at all of our social media channels and yeah yay thanks for having me this is asian pop nation you guys just heard eye for an eye by rina sawayama which is actually a new single for john wick so you guys may have heard that song around and before that you guys heard killer by key who is from Shiny, and this song, I swear to God, is so catchy, it has not gotten out of my head since I came across it, so good luck with that, guys! Now, before that, you guys heard Dancing in the Dark by Jun Parker, which is one of his new releases. Now, coming up, we'll be talking about some of the upcoming TV series that we are excited for. Mostly because they feature some reoccurring Asian actors. 
And of course, we at Asian Pop Nation love Asian representation. So yeah, we will be talking more about that. Hey, what up? It's your movie guy, Ethan, here. We're here in this <laughs> segment to talk Hey, about- hey, hey, hang on, hang on. What is this? What is this, Mr. JP? Yeah, role. identity theft live. Yeah, stolen your role for today. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> I would steal Ethan's identity, though. But anyway, we're here uh, tonight to talk about a few Asian movies that are coming up. We actually have three. I wonder if we'll be able to get through. But um, let's get into it. We have one movie from A24 coming out, which is called Beef. It's not actually a movie. I correct myself. It's actually a upcoming Netflix series, which is created by Lee Sung-jin, and which stars the love of Lee Sha's life, Steven Yeun, and American stand-up comedian and actress, Ali Wong. So the series, it will premiere on April 6th. And based on the trailer, it's going to be a story about the feud between a guy called Danny Cho and a girl called Amy Lau. And they basically get involved with each other after uh, clashing cars in a road rage incident. I don't know if they actually clash cars, but basically that's how the story starts. You know, uh, they get angry each other on the road and um, there's just a lot of beef from there on. Therefore, uh, the movie title. No, I did watch the trailer and actually I'm very excited about this series and I am usually not much of a um, series person purely because I have very bad habits in not actually finishing anything. But this one I am actually quite keen on purely for the fact that, okay, if Xenia was here, she would be able to agree with me. But typically with shows or movies or any media in general that has a plot kind of like this where, oh, boy meets boy meets girl they have this colliding moment. Oh, they hate each other. It's usually like a lead into like the enemies to lovers trope. But this one, if you've seen the trailer, it is filled with like revenge, hatred. I guess what I like about the trailer is that it's really going full on in the whole revenge thing and keeping it very like platonic. So you're just really seeing these two people, just seeing how far they can both go in this revenge like between yeah. the two of them. And there's some snippets between like the trailer of like some very like hot to hot moments and stuff like that. So I'm very curious to see like what else like side stories and stuff is going to be happening besides like this main revenge thing. But I'm very excited. I think it's actually, I'm, I'm putting my expectations high. I think it's going to be pretty good. Ali Wong is a very, very well-known Asian American stand-up comedian for a reason. And Steven Yeun, love of my life. So I just feel like, wow. The stars are lining the formulas, formulating. This is bed. This is bed. Yeah, be myself I <laughs> nodding in agreement. Another film that I wanted to bring to attention, and it's also an A twenty four project, um, oh. is this new movie called Past Lives, which is an upcoming romantic drama about these two South Korean kids who grew up, um, and then they kind of separated. They just live in different countries, and they're all around the world, and they've like lost contact with each other. Um, but then, you know, when they grow up and they're adults, they kind of search for each other. I suppose it's a heartfelt and sentimental um, look at like romance, but from the perspective of like, you know, like people um, that you knew when you were very young and like how you guys can separate and go different ways. It's an, also a directorial debut by Celine Song, who's actually a playwright. Um, I think she's Canadian Korean, um, which interestingly, one of her directorial um experience includes a rendition of Anton Chekhov's The Seagull, which she did in The Sims 4. So she casted people, she got um, this massive crew, and then she did an entire recreation of The Seagull on The Sims on Twitch to like, I think hundreds of people, which I think is really cool because, you know, (laughs) it's pretty sick. I I respect that. Ethan, I remember you describing this movie as quite understated. Yeah, it, it, I think a lot of A24 films have that kind of going for them. It's a lot more minimalist. It's a lot more, like, slow. It reminds me a lot of some of um, Yusuke Hamaguchi's uh, movies. So, like, movies like Drive My Car and um, uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which I both... I recommend both, by the way, because they are both amazing. They're, like, this very, like, slow, um, slow burn movies about... Um, it's about love and relationships, but it's not like a traditional romance. It's more so like kind of like the impact that people have on you throughout your lives and like the, like, you know, the friends and families that you've had 
growing up and how that kind of impacts you as an adult and like how you view relationships and romance and that kind of stuff it, it's very um yeah it's very understated it's very um melancholy i suppose you could say it's just um it's just a good watch and i think i'm hoping that this new movie past lives will also give us just a bit of that you know that um sad boy lonely hours i don't know anyway moving on let's go on to the next one um someone wants to bring this one up well, if you're sick of sad boy lonely hours, we have an antidote for you. This is a movie called Joyride. Uh, Joyride is a funny who have movie uh, which, which is produced by Seth Rogen and it features a cast um, of like very funny actresses, um, Ashley Park, Sherry Kohler, Stephanie Hsu and Sabrina Wu. Um, And they're basically starring as a group of four Asian-American friends who travel across Asia in search of one of their um, birth mothers, basically. And this is the directorial debut for Adele Lim, who is actually a screenwriter, um, quite similar actually to um, Celine Song being a playwright. But Adele Lim um, has been a screenwriter for films for films such as Raya and the Last Dragon. And she's been uh she was a screenwriter for Crazy Rich Asians. Um basically this is again the complete opposite of I think both of the two projects which we've just talked about. This is a very zany, very wacky, very raunchy, very irreverent sort of like um typical sort of American uh comedy. Maybe not American comedy uh sort of movie but this time with a very cool kick-ass cast if you like films like girls trip or bridesmaids um i think you'll definitely be interested in this movie are Correct. there like are there like any ones in particular that people are like interested in checking out personally for you based on your personal beef feast i really want to see beef because beef. the uh, the two main stars are so good like steven yun yes please ellie wong yes please like literally yes. A hundred percent, yeah. A thousand percent, even. Yeah. It looks the, like the best project. I like the projects I would be most interested in, um, honestly. Yeah, um, I must confess, I like listening to Joji's music, so I think I'm a past life sort of guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hell, yeah, let's go, JP. I'll watch it with you. <laughs> yeah. Something about the two sad boys of APN yeah. going to watch sad The sad only two movie. guys in this we want to watch the sad movie. <laughs> yes, men are depressed. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, men, uh, you can go to go watch Past Lives to unlock a new human emotion. Yes. I would probably check out Beef but I do not have a Netflix subscription, so I cannot. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because, as Leisha said, I think, it was like, it's usually always like enemies to lovers kind of thing, and I'm hoping that they don't make a twist at the end and actually make that the reality, yeah. or else it would kind of suck. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I think in the trailer, they explicitly show, like, at least from what I remember, Ali Wong has like a potential separate love interest. She has, like, an entirely different, like, I guess, romance plot with somebody else. And every shot of her and Steven Yeun are, like, them literally about to uh, serve the most intense revenge ever. That is totally uh, friendly to say on radio. (laughs) Anyway, if you guys are interested in any of the shows that we mentioned, uh, please let us know on Asian Pop Nation across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you tune in to our next show. Hello, hello, hello. You guys just heard from Fifi Jung with a song from her new EP, So Beautiful, So Lonely. And before that, you guys heard Anxiety by Livra. And before that, you guys heard Not a Friend by Sorn. Now, coming up next, we will be going over some of the upcoming Asian concerts and events here in little old Melbourne. Finally, getting recognition. But yeah, I am just going to throw it right over to the team. Hello, Melburnians or non-Melburnians. How are you? Um, This segment is for the Melburnians. We're basically going to be running down some Asian culture-related events and concerts that we think you might be interested in if you live around or in the Melbourne area. Starting with something that Ethan's going to say. 
Yeah, this one's for all the film people that like <laughs> movies and films and stuff. Now, there's a Tony Leung retrospective at the ACMI, um, which is near Federation Square. Um, Tony Leung is obviously a really respected and beloved um, actor. Um, so he's got a couple of really good movies. So ACMI is doing like this marathon over, I think it was about three weeks, um, starting on Wednesday, the 22nd of March. So that is today. <laughs> um, at time of recording. Anyway, so, you know, the movies that they, they'll be showing is like Flowers of Shanghai, Hero in the Mood for Love, which I think is one of Xenia's favorite films, actually. Um, he's also got a Chinese ghost story, um, number three, Hard Boiled and Cyclo. So obviously there's a lot of really great Tony Leung films that um, has helped his filmography. Um, definitely go check that out uh, because films are cool. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, Tony what... Leung, man. He's yeah, absolute... people love Tony Leung. Um, yeah, how can a man be so sexy? Like, it's not fair. For those of you guys that want to laugh, we have the Melbourne International Comedy Festival coming up. And it's running between the end of March to April 23rd. And it's featuring some prominent Asian artists, including Annie Louie, Diana Nguyen, uh, Jennifer Wong, and Jenny Tian, which we interviewed earlier. Cough, cough. He Huang is also performing, as well as Lizzie Hu. Now, we also have a few uh, major K-pop acts coming up as well. Thanks for that segue, Jesse. Yes, there are indeed several major, major K-pop acts coming down to little old Melbourne. Um, first of all, the next, the artist who's going to be gracing our city first, uh, I'm going to go through them in chronological order very quickly. First of all, we have Alexa with her Girls Gone Vogue tour. She's going to be performing at 170 Russell on the 1st of April, which is very, very soon. And speaking of Alexa, we have a surprise in store coming for you very, very soon. If you're a fan of Alexa or just know of her and want to know more about her, um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, next, we have two major, major, major girl groups, probably the two biggest girl groups of the third generation of k-pop and that is twice and blackpink which i'm sure you've already heard of and um failed at getting tickets to they're both going to be perf- they go they're both going to be performing at the rod laver arena uh, twice will be performing on the 6th of may and blackpink on the 10th and 11th of june and then last but not least we have yerin beck who has already sold out her tour at 270 russell on the t- on the 13th of june but we just wanted to shout her out anyway because like Good on you, girl, for you know selling out your show already, and um, I really hope that this sets pre- this sets a precedent for more uh, sort of more indie Korean artists um, coming down to Melbourne. And speaking of indie artists, I believe JP is going to fill us in on some more um, like indie-ish acts who are coming oh, to Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are, there are quite uh, there are a bunch of indie acts coming that are really interesting. We got one called Pum Vipurit a singer-songwriter hailing from Thailand. He'll be performing at 270 Russell. So 270 Russell Street, Tracy? I don't know, just 270 Russell. All right, 270 so. Russell, wherever Russell is and where 270 is. Um, he'll be performing there 2nd of May, 2023. And um, from what Tracy described of him... Oh, wait, no, just say he'll be performing at 170 Russell. He'll be performing at 170 Russell. Okay, yeah, okay. not 270, folks, 170. But it's still Russell, remember that. Um, but yeah, according to Tracy, he's a lot like Grant Perez, you know, sensitive boy with the guitar sort of thing. Um, so that's the sort of vibe he has. Um, besides him, though, we also have the legendary Angelic Ichiko Alba performing at the Forum on 8th of June. Um, for those that don't know Ichiko Alba, do yourself a favor and search her up on YouTube and listen to her. Uh, before going to sleep, her music is it's gorgeous. Like her, her voice, soothing. You know, like the instrument's so soft and like, okay, no, like, okay, I'll go crazy if I keep talking about her. Yeah, Ichigo Alba, really great artist. And last but not least, we have Baby Metal uh, performing at Margaret Court Arena on the 11th of June, 2023. Yeah, Baby Metal, um, legendary. Just uh, imagine a, yeah, it's, it's a big contrast. Imagine like a girl group, but like, with death metal instrumentals and they scream now and then, but then they also sing cutesy like <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but then like, you know, some guy screaming in the background. 
yeah, that's baby metal. It's a wild experience. Uh, but yeah, Tracy, that looks like um, that's sort of the lineup we had we have for today's segment. Yeah, that's quite an impressive lineup of oh. Asian acts coming down to Melbourne. Crazy, you know, Melbourne as a city is pretty big and full of Asians, much like Sydney. Um, but it's nice to see that more and more international acts, including Melbourne, as a stop on their international tours. Because why would you come all the way to Sydney? And not visit Melbourne, uh, which is a two-hour flight away. Anyway, um, that aside, anyone are, is anyone excited for any of these acts in particular? Very, very excited. Um, my wallet is in jeopardy because this these next few months is very jam-packed. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I mean, I guess it ties in with the whole like live events in general. We're having like a big boom comeback. Uh, but whoa, like y'all putting it into perspective of just like, oh, there's so many people I want to see. Fingers crossing that I can go see twice, but only time will tell, aka when I can get my tickets. Oh, I'm also going to be <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I, good, I, I wish you good luck. I wish thee good luck um, in your quest for t- twice tickets. I know it's not easy. Thank you, wise one. <laughs> Um, but you know, on the other spe- end of the spectrum, um, readily available tickets. I think uh, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is pretty easy to get tickets to. Um, they already have like the full lineup out basically, and they are running a lot of the acts are doing like like a whole month of shows, so they're pretty easy to get your um, mitts on, get your hands on. Dude, if I wasn't in Japan um, at the time, Ichiko Aoba be playing here, I would definitely go. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's I'm definitely going to go. Yes, please, please. And then, like, rub it in your face that you can't go. Except yeah. you totally will be able to go because you'll be in Japan. And yeah, oh, yeah. I don't even like. Will she be in Japan? I hear, I hear she's like uh, performing in like the U.S. as well or something. I don't know. Um, or maybe I'm reading the wrong sources. But hopefully, she'll be in Japan by the time I go there. I and we can compare reason. notes. Yes, we can compare. Yeah. <laughs> How did she perform in Japan? <laughs> we can critically no. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to her the most out of the lineup here. Um, and I guess also Pumvir Furit because I think he's going to be very good live. Um, yeah, and that was our little concert spiel uh, for this week. Uh, hopefully, there's one of these acts uh, that are coming down to Melbourne that you'll enjoy. If not, we hope that uh, it, they'll come. One of the acts you enjoy will come down in the future. Um, in the meantime, stay tuned to Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more concert news about Asian people. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thank you.